So uh, last week in preaching on elders, um, I, t- I pointed to the example of uh, Priscilla and Aquila uh, and that they ministered as team, as husband and wife, um, as elders. And so we, we preach on team all the time. We preach on oneness all the time. Um, so just to drive home when it comes to deacons, um, we're not setting in uh, John and Michael and Andy and their wives are up here to look pretty. Um, we are setting in John and Sharon, Michael and Tiffany, Andy and Kim, um, because we're going to see in the word that that deacon uh, is a male and a female word. So let's just jump right into First Timothy three. Um, we'll be in verse eight through thirteen to start here. In the same way, deacons must be well respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. Uh, I want to pause. That word deacon is uh, diakonos. Um, I mentioned it just a second ago. That word is both a male and a female noun, both a masculine and a feminine noun. And it's translated as this, one who executes the commands of another, a servant, attendant, minister, one who serves. That's the definition of that word diakonos that we have for deacon. So let's uh, continue in First Timothy 3, 11. In the same way, the women must be respected, and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. In verse 11, that word, the women, um, is equally translated as the wives. So it says the wives or the women. Um, And so when we look at that, um, that word can refer to deaconesses. Deaconesses. That's just, it sounds, there's a lot of S's there. It could also mean the wives of deacons or the female leaders of the church. But Paul uses the same word, in Romans chapter 16 to describe Phoebe when he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe who is a deacon in the church in Centria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs for she has been helpful to many and especially to me. So we have no reason to believe that Paul wasn't uh, referring to deaconesses in that passage that we are in there in First Timothy 3. But in either case, we see that Paul uh, expects a high standard among men and women who are called to serve in this capacity. He, he drives home the point of integrity. And it must be with the men and the women. I've touched on this before. Um, one can disqualify the other. One can disqualify the other. If we've got uh, a man that is the epitome of... Well, actually, let's pick on, let's pick on the, the, the men. Uh, the, the woman, and she's the, the epitome of goodness and integrity and serving and ministry. But the, the husband, yeah, he, he, he does it, but he just doesn't have the shepherd's heart. It's, it's done grudgingly. It's not done willingly. It's not done freely then disqualification takes place. It's got to be both. That, that's what we believe. Uh, I mentioned this with, uh, with elders. At this point right now, I wouldn't, we wouldn't set in a single man as an elder. We wouldn't set in a single woman as an elder. There's just too much opportunity for 
for harm to come to the church, and part of our responsibility as elders is is to guard. Um, but with deacons, that's not the case. Uh, we uh, see um, single men, single women as deacons. So I uh, want to make that point. When we're reading these passages that we're reading, and especially as we jump into uh, Acts chapter 6, I want us to keep something in mind. When we, when we hear about the church and the need for deacons in the church, I want us to keep several things in mind. Number one, um, at this point, the church was still just the Jews. We'll see that there were Greek-speaking Jews and that there were Hebrew-speaking speaking Jews, um, but the Word of God hadn't yet been brought to the Gentiles. And even without the Word having not yet gone to the Gentiles, the church is probably about 20,000 people strong. I mean, the church has grown. Um, so when we talk about a need for those to serve, to minister, my friends, there, there was a need that was there. Verse 12. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. I want to read that last one, verse 13 again. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. My friends, um, too often when we think of deacons, we think, we think of the people that do the grunt work. And if a deacon is just meant to set up chairs or, or do the tasks, which, by the way, let me drive home the point, they are called to do many tasks and they are called to do grunt work. But if they were just called to that how does that increase their faith? How does that increase their faith? How does that bring about a spiritual reward? Deacons and deaconesses are meant to do much more than just the grunt work, much more than just tasks. There is ministry. There is purpose. When we lay hands upon them and we set them in, there will be a change. There will be a difference. You know, when we minister to, to couples, um, Mike and Melissa are getting ready to, to be married soon, and so we're going through premarital ministry with them. And we drive home to the point, the minute you say, I do, and the minute you become husband and wife and one flesh, something changes. Your relationship with God changes. You find yourself stronger and closer to the Lord than ever before. And it, you're like, I don't understand that. But I feel stronger. I feel like, you know, I, I can do more in the Lord than I've ever done before. Something takes place. We're, we're foolish if when we have a night like tonight, if we don't have the expectation of something taking place, if something happening of, of God moving in a powerful way, because we're coming into agreement with Him. Deacons are among the most respected people in the early church and in the church today. I don't believe that anybody in the New Testament demonstrates a higher level of respect for deacons than Paul. This belief is demonstrated in a passage from Philippians 1.1. It says this, This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and the deacons. This verse shows us that Paul mentions deacons alongside overseers 
or elders as someone who is worthy of special recognition. I think that's cool. Deacons were honored teachers in the church. And we see in 1 Timothy their qualifications closely resemble those of elders. But yet too often in churches, I mean, I'm just being honest, too often in churches, deacons are treated like a second-hand citizen. And that is not the case. We won't do that, guys. None of us will do that. (laughs) So why is it in some churches today that the office of deacon has lost its importance? In some churches today, um, young Christians are given the title of deacon. But yet the Bible says very clearly that there should be a high standard, that it should not be done quickly, that there needs to be a high criteria that's met. That's not the example that we see in the New Testament. Paul says that our decision in appointing elders should be done carefully. Paul understood better than anybody the importance of deacons. Paul understood more than anybody the ways that a single deacon could change the world and could change lives. Nobody in the Word understood this better than Paul. We'll get to that in a moment. But let's meet the church's first deacons and see how they came to be. So Acts chapter 6. I'm reading from the New King James. Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution of food. Keep in mind that the gospel, once again, still hadn't been expanded beyond the Jews at this point. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Upon reading this verse, we might be mistaken in looking and seeing that the apostles just simply got tired of doing doing some of the grunt work. They got tired of serving tables. But that's not the case. The purpose of the apostles making this declaration, making this statement, is that They needed to ensure that when it came to the church and ministry, that first things were first. That the most important things remained the most important things. I do have a question. Based on the apostles' statement about serving tables, who do you think had done this task prior to recognizing the need for servant ministers to do this task? Them. The apostles, they wouldn't be so passionate about this if they hadn't been doing it. If they hadn't been doing it and going, golly gee, what did I get done today? I I served a bunch of tables. I did a bunch of good work, but I didn't spend any time in the Word. I didn't spend any time in prayer. I didn't teach anybody the good news. It was them who were doing it. I point that out to say this. My friends at Impact Rock, if you're not willing to serve some tables, the opportunity to bring the Word of God will never be presented to you it will never be presented. There's got to be a willingness to be a servant. You can't, we can't look for the, the glamorous things. Oh, I just, want, I just want the recognition. I want the leadership. I want the glam. We've got to be willing to do some dirty work. I know of churches that 
people that they recognize the call of God on their life, first task they give them is cleaning toilets. And that's not a bad thing. They're preachers over here, you know, they're, yeah. That's not a bad thing. That's not a demeaning thing. Oh, oh, it's, it's demeaning for you to do it, but it's not demeaning for this brother to do it. We, we, are we willing to do it? Are we willing to do it? Do we do it grudgingly? Or do we do it with a servant's heart? Do we look at it as obligation or do we look at it as opportunity? Let's continue in Acts chapter 6, verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. In a short while, we'll be setting in our first deacons. So, Impact Rock, got a question for you in accordance with the word here. The selection of the Stuarts, the Freemans, the Smiths. Is that pleasing to you? The selection of, of these men and women to serve in this office of deacon. Is that pleasing to you? Are you guys on board with that? Just wanted to pause. That's important. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, I've been tempted all week to say and Pumbaa, but you know, I mean, it wasn't Pumbaa, it was Timon. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to rent the Lion King. And there we go. So Timon, not Pumbaa, but see, there's even a P name here. It's it's Parmenas. So Parmenas is always Pumbaa to me. Um, And Nicholas, a proselyte or an earlier convert from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And after the apostles laid hands on these men, their lives were changed. The deacons. Their lives were changed. The church in Jerusalem. Their lives were changed. The area, the world. When they laid hands upon them, we see that change took place. We see that multiplication took place. We see some awesome things that occurred. It says the word of God was spread. The word of God was spread. Deacons, as a result of you being set into this position, we are confident and full of faith that the word of God will be spread as a result. The number of disciples multiplied greatly. We are confident and expect it and downright giddy to see that there's going to be a multiplication of disciples. There's going to be a multiplication of people who come to know Jesus. Why is that going to happen? Because it's godly order. Because God wants that. Because God has called some to serve as deacons and He has called you. Church, we are going to be stronger as a result of this. And you know what? This better not, this better not be the last time, you know, this year that we set in deacons. 
Because God wants to grow this church and He's expanding our foundation. And we need more leaders. And we need more deacons. But we need people that are willing to say, yes. Yes, I give my life to you. Yes, I will serve. Yes, these other things take a backseat to you and serving you, Lord. And I will serve in the capacity of the local church. We need this. See, I'm getting fired up now. Now, we need this. Why? Because they need Jesus. Because they need Jesus. And we can't wait for them to come in. Deep breath. We can't wait for them to come in. We can't wait for them to come in. We've got to go out there to them and knock on doors and say, He is real and He loves you. And I believe this with all my heart because He has changed my life and I know He can change your life. After it says multiplication, it says many priests came to know Christ. Many people who opposed Jesus trusted in Jesus. Many people who opposed him and the priests, they did. They opposed Christianity. They came to believe in him. The hard-hearted, the people that right now oppose Jesus, What's the result of Impact Rock having deacons? Hard-hearted people who oppose Jesus are going to give their lives to Him. How many of you guys were one of those hard-hearted people? You were hard-hearted. I was hard-hearted. You know, until we, what? Believed and let Him do His work in us. Deacons are trustworthy servants, men and women, who are not afraid to roll up their sleeves and do any of the many tasks that are necessary in the life of the church. Some of these tasks may seem menial. I don't think taking care of widows is menial. I don't think walking through this place and setting up chairs in preparation for people to come in and be touched by God is menial. So my friends, my encouragement to us is let's change our mindset of what we look at as being menial or beneath us. Once again, opportunity. Do we really believe that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Do we really believe that? What should our actions be if we believe that every act of our service is for the only righteous King, the only righteous ruler in this world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords? Every task we do is for Him. You know, I... I'd, a soccer game today. Went to my daughter's game and I was loud and I clapped and I, you know, refrained from telling the buyers he was a moron and, you know, for most part, um, you know, and I had a good time and I was passionate and I was expressive. How much more so when we come in this place should we be expressive and passionate because this actually has a purpose. That's not my note. I just, I just threw that in. Because of their character and their willingness to serve in the cause of Christ, these men that we read about have a high standard and were greatly respected in the church. And deacons should be just as respected today. They shouldn't be respected for the work and just the service that they do, but honored and respected because of their integrity and because their lives demonstrate, demonstrate, 
that they are full of the Holy Spirit and demonstrates a, a yearning and a yielding to the wisdom of God. Let's read a little bit more in Acts chapter 6 about one of these original deacons. I'm reading from the New Living this time. Acts 6, verse 8. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Just to point out, this is this is one of the first deacons. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel. I don't know if any of our deacons have angel faces. Most of the time, they look like they're up to something. But, you know, that I'm going to believe for a little angelic. You know, maybe John. John John's got angelic face. Oh. That's, that's what every mom thinks. Ah, all right. Back back on. Uh, let's continue. Let's see here. In verse chapter 7, verse 1, then the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. So church, I want to encourage us to, to go and read the next 50 verses. The next 50 verses that that show that Stephen then came before them. And also, I love the fact that they're his accusers. They're lying about him. He knows they're lying. But yet, what does he refer to him as? Fathers and brothers. There, there's still respect there. Why? Because he knows that he doesn't just represent himself. He represents Jesus Christ. For the next 50 verses, he proceeds to tell them history. He proceeds to tell them what they already know, but it, it demonstrates to them that, that he knows what he's talking about. He proceeds to talk about the faithfulness of God to generation after generation, even in the, spy, in the face of unfaithfulness and disobedience on man's behalf. God is faithful. Man is not. God is faithful and we fall short. And then he points him to Jesus. He points him to Jesus, bringing up the need of a Savior. The need we have for a Savior, for a healer, for a deliverer, because we couldn't do it, because we're an unfaithful bunch. Unfaithful to hundreds and hundreds of laws, to church tradition, to, 
to the things that you had to do in order to be righteous and holy. The things that Jesus did away with when He came and lived a perfect life and died for you and I and then conquered death and rose from the grave. And He's alive today. He's resurrected today. This is who Stephen spoke of for 50 verses. Boldly. Under the anointing. Speaking of the Messiah. And when he was finished, this is what took place. Verse 52. This is Stephen speaking. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Stephen was the first martyr for the sake of Jesus. The first martyr who probably who considered it joy to preach, to share the good news of Jesus, and then to die. Earlier I said that Paul understood better than anyone the importance of deacons, the immeasurable effect that a deacon could have on the world. Paul understood this because he was there when this deacon boldly spoke the truth and the good news of Jesus Christ unto his own death. Paul was there when this deacon moved in power and the Holy Spirit Sure, at the time, Saul, Paul, didn't know he was a deacon, but we're all quite certain Luke made him well, well aware of this and the history of this. Paul was there and he was in agreement with this execution. Paul's life was changed, impacted by the life and the death of this servant minister who with his last words represented the very heart of Jesus in pleading that their sins not be held against them. In pleading to the Lord for grace and mercy upon them. Deacons are not just called to be workers but to be powerful men and women of God who place Jesus Christ first 
and live their lives in passionate proof of their belief in Jesus Christ. Deacons are men and women who receive high honor for their character and their work, for their faithfulness and their fruitfulness. For their faithfulness and their fruitfulness.